Cincy Natter. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Cincy Natter, the Bengals UK podcast that sticks its spoon into the Bengals cake mixing bowl, then runs away, hides behind the sofa and licks the spoon clean. Um, we're recording this on the Sunday before the 2018 NFL draft and it's another beautiful day here in London town. Uh, and joining me in the sewing room is the John to my Ross, the Tyler to my Eifert, the Eddie to my Brown, the David to my Klingler, the Alfred to my Williams, the Takeo to my Spikes, the Leon to my Hall, the Kijana to my Carter, the Achille to my Smith, and the first round <laughs> to my draft pick. It's Nathan Palmer. Please talk, Nathan, because I'm tired now. Thank you very much for that, Paul. That was a uh, very Bengals theme this week. When when I first saw the Eddie, for some reason, Eddie Guerrero jumped to mind, the old uh, <laughs> WWE wrestler. I thought you were going to chuck that in the works. You thought I was going to suplex you on yeah. a Sunday afternoon. Um, very weird to be here on a Sunday afternoon, I must say. It is. It's kind of light um, and we're drinking beers and it's kind of... It's not even a six. It's turning into a bit of a drinking club, this, isn't it? Just two times <laughs> in know. one week coming over to your flat, sinking some cans. I think the next time we should just go to the nearby bench. <laughs> yeah, know, and do, if we're going to start drinking during the day, get then, some uh, uh, brown paper bags. <laughs> now, we are uh, only mere days away from the draft, and today we're really going to dig deep into some of the prospects you might see the Bengals take next week. And in the last episode, Nathan, Dave Lapham, the brilliant, day, which was fantastic fun, wasn't it? Oh, um, it was really good, yeah. Uh, Dave told us that he thinks it will be an offensive tackle and centre in the first two rounds. Uh, and that provoked quite a response, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think was he, I, he, I think Dave didn't want to sort of completely put his neck on I the know, line. He's got his traditional kind of reveal exactly, this week, hasn't he? Exactly. So I didn't think he wanted to tip his out too early. But to me, I think he was saying Billy Price. I think he was saying McGlinchey if he's there. Yeah. Is that right? McGlinchey. Yeah, Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey. Get in my office, McGlinchey. So he, I think, was saying McGlinchey or Billy Price, I think. Yeah, yeah. and uh, But he also mentioned Colton Miller. Now, yeah. I don't think McGlinchey yeah. will be there at no. 21. But there's a chance. Well, I saw a mock draft today on NFL.com, and someone had him going at 30. I mean, if I he's think the there, Bengals, think if he's there, are pulling, you know, they're running up to the stage with their bit of paper. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Because, again, they it's, it really is worth taking note on what kind of work they've been doing with these players. Yeah, and I think from what I've read and seen, they put the most work into Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. They've had him around for dinner. Well, <laughs> <laughs> got, got a nice takeaway in, got, got a curry in. Yeah, they've got, <laughs> got a chick, uh, chicken madras in, some uh, sag paneer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I do like a bit of sag paneer. It's unreal. Well, here's a question. If, if a team was going to take you out for dinner, and you had a choice. You were like, this is like a deal breaker, right? <laughs> well, right? just taking me out for Take dinner. it like they say, we want you to come for a visit, Nathan Palmer. Yep. Quarterback Nathan Palmer. Yep. Leader of the offense. From the University of Kent. Yeah, I was going to say, Nathan Palmer, with the overall pick, number 21, it's Nathan Palmer. Is this Roger Goodell impression, <laughs> is it? It's really bad uh, impression. But yeah, Nathan Palmer, University of Kent. Number 21 pick, they want you. The Bengals want you yeah. real bad. They visited you on your pro day. Get a pro phone day. call in from... Um... They've asked you all about your mum, <laughs> which you, you suggested last week. Um, what What are you going to say to him? If you had a, we want to take you out for dinner now, Nathan. We want to come to Cincinnati and take you out for dinner. Where are they going to take you? For some reason, I, I, the US is a bit funny like that. I, I, but no, if for instance, trans, forget the US, where if 
pretend Cincinnati is in North London or right. London, right? <laughs> this is getting ever more surreal, I know. But where are they going to take Nathan Palmer out to dinner to impress him? Where would you like? A really fancy pub. I, when I, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like one of those pubs that does proper English grub. like Scum nice, in a basket? Chicken no, in a basket? like really nice, like good pie or something. You know what I mean? I like really like, like almost a Michelin-starred pub. But you don't want to go somewhere too fancy. I don't like all that fine, fine dining stuff. Do you not? Not really, no. I think it's all a bit, whack, a bit wanky and a bit too much. Yeah, 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 But I feel like if you go somewhere like a sort of nice pub, nice, you know, a good, solid, hearty meal, done well. Like your so, basics done well. Do you break, know what I mean? Breaking news. <laughs> If you want to sign Nathan Palmer for anything, just give him a really good pie. <laughs> yeah, honestly, though, like, I don't think you'd, like, you wouldn't go out for a Chinese or Indian, would you? Nathan, yeah, right. but you wouldn't want to eat a curry either. You'd be absolutely, you, you know what I mean? You'd be all sorts of trouble at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> would you? <laughs> yeah, when you eat a curry, you want to sleep for about a week, didn't you? <laughs> and we need to get back to the draft. Yeah. We? <laughs> we veered somewhat. Well, over... What would you take quickly? A bit of sushi? No, no. Um, I think. I think a really good posh. I do like posh restaurants. Or a fine dining, do you? Yeah, because it's like you just don't have it at home. Like Claridge's. Yeah, yeah, I've eaten at Claridge's before. Yeah, so I. <laughs> Look at us. Anyway, that that killed the conversation, didn't it? Anyway, yes, I'd have a really nice Italian meal, a really good one. Yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, that's a good. I, I don't know why I didn't stick say to that. my roots. I'm hungover today. I'm not on the ball. That Italian would probably be my choice. Actually, okay, all right. Not a pie then. I don't know. A pie today <laughs> sounds fantastic. A nice like leek pie. A leek. <laughs> well, you've said this before on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, it's good. Good, yeah, good pie filling. Ginsters, if you're listening to this, I think <laughs> it's time for a bit of sponsorship. To be honest with you, we need a sponsor for this podcast. We do. It's been too long. If anyone's listening and you want to chuck a few quidders and sponsor it and get in touch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking about a company, right? Not just a random person. But if someone, some geezer wants to sponsor it, then let him. Wow. That could open up all kinds of things. <laughs> if someone starts throwing money at us, we promote them or their business. Yeah, no. If I'm, a I'm beer company yes. got in touch, that would be unreal. I want a local beer company, the That'd Camden be Brewery. Camden company. Brewery, if you're listening. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the draft. Because no, no, we're... let's stay off topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure quite a few people would actually like us to do that. But um, yeah, we um, we talked about Colton Miller. People went absolutely yeah, crazy got Colton a Miller. Response really that, negative it? response. And a negative response for Billy Price, who who people a lot of people reckon is the third best centre in the draft. But then, if you look at Mike Mayock's positional rankings, he rates Billy Price as the second interior lineman out of guards and centre yeah, yeah, yeah. in the draft. So... Who are you gonna? Who are you gonna trust? I think the thing with the offensive line is that you've obviously got Quentin Nelson, who's going to go top ten, and then yeah. you've got McGlinchey, who's probably gone before the Bengals take him. Mm. And then there's not from a value perspective, and I think people always want to see value in the pick that you get in someone that you know you maybe didn't think was there, etc. Yeah. I think all of the prospects in, on the offensive line the Bengals have been linked to, you kind of almost feel that you could get them at the very end of the first round or maybe the beginning of the second. Like Billy Price, I think as a prospect, is a good player. I just don't think fans think he's that good of value at 21. Yeah. The same perhaps with like James Daniels or like Frank Ragno or whatever is that, is that Frank Ragno? Yeah, or Ragnow. Ragnow. Yeah. Um, but like those sort of players that you almost would be very pleased with like trading up in the second round to maybe like, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth pick yeah. and getting them there. They're, then great. But at 21, you feel like you're maybe getting shortchanged a bit. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. 
Um, and I think at the end of this podcast, excitingly, we're going to do our own version of being Dave Lappin and uh, tell you who each of us want. What is actually a want? Uh, not necessarily think, but want. With all things considered, yep. want to see the Bengals draft in the first round, right? Yep. We'll do that at the end of the podcast. Yeah, look at us all high and mighty. But oh, yeah. uh, people, yeah, this is going to stop the press, isn't it? It's going to break the internet <laughs> when we when we do that. But we do have a very special guest this week, so let's bring him in. If you're a Bengals fan and a user of Twitter, this week's special guest needs no introduction, although I am going to give him one anyway. I've known him for six years or so, and he was one of the first people I followed on social media. And he's been good enough to join us answering draft questions on our blog for the past two years. But now we have a podcast, it only seems right to get him on this. Um, It's Talent Evaluator Supreme, King of the Bengals Draftniks, an extreme opinion-generating shit-stirrer himself, <laughs> Joe Goodbury. Now, Joe, before you speak, um, I know, like me, you're a big Star Wars fan, so I've made a special introduction to you. So here it is. For you, Joe Goodberry. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am still the learner. So, Joe, there you go. What do you think of that? I mean, I don't think you've ever had in your life, in all the podcasts that you've done, a a Star Wars Darth Vader voice simulator welcome you. How about that? That was fantastic. It's much appreciated. <laughs> um, right. Okay. It's. I guess this is almost like Christmas time for you, isn't it? The the eve of the draft, and you've done all your evaluation. There's not long to go. Uh, it it must be like a real exciting time. Yeah, I think it's fun for everyone, no matter how much you know about draft prospects or, you know, you could be a guy that crunches tape and wants to have an opinion on someone. Yeah. Or you could just be a casual fan that's like, we're going to get, in the in, in the Bengals case, 11 new players if they pick all, all 11 spots. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, Any absolutely. one of those guys, if you look at them all like lottery tickets, any one of them could be a Hall of Famer, yeah. um, you know, and that could change the course of your franchise. That's fun. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the Bengals are in a bit of a sticky spot after drafting not so well the last couple of three years. And um, they need to draft well this year, right? I think that has been the general opinion from lots of people. This is a a crucial draft to get the team back on track again. Yes, and it's more crucial for a franchise like the Bengals that don't typically make uh, veteran acquisitions, whether that's via trade or free agency. Excuse me. They did a little bit of that today or uh, this year, but at the same time, when you, you know, rely on the draft as heavily as the Bengals do to acquire talent and and keep talent, cheap talent on the, on this roster, they have to hit the draft. They cannot afford to miss like they did in 2014 and 15 mm-hmm. uh, and get very little in returns. And and it was a direct result. And I remember at the time not really being fond of those drafts, especially 2014. And, and I remember saying, you know, the bill comes due. You, They've got a good roster at that time, but 
man, 2016, 2017 is coming. We're going to have to rely on these guys. And we saw, obviously, what happened with that. Yeah, I mean, Joe, obviously this year, we, you know, Paul alluded to the fact that it's a pretty, um, you know, key draft for the Bengals. And with that in mind, you potentially need some of these players to contribute in year one. Whereas I think in the past, they've sort of gone down the route of, um, you know, being able to sort of, you know, blend them into the team over a period of a couple of years. Do you think that impacts who they select? Or do you think, you know, are they looking for talent to come in straight away? Or can they still take that long view? I think they'd always like the idea of bringing a, a rookie along slowly. Um, the college game and the NFL game is separated. It, it's always been a, a somewhat of a separation between what you're required to do in college, the speed of the game, the talent, obviously. Uh, so you'd like to transition rookies slowly. Uh, we saw it last year. We saw it a lot of years with Marvin Lewis. And then there's always somebody who breaks it, whether that's a Carl Lawson, and you say, man, this guy can play right now. Give him as many snaps as you feel he's comfortable with uh, and then there were still times where we thought he's not playing enough mm-hmm. it's interesting now because you looking at where they left their needs really as the first half of free agency is done teams will dip back in after the draft but yeah. as the roster sits now you say they have no starting center if they had this line up today it'd be tj johnson and i don't feel comfortable with that yeah so you know you look at some of the spots where they didn't address at all and you say well, they have to draft someone there. You always want to fill your needs, but they have to draft a center. Yep. And if it's not at 21, it's got to be at 46, or else you're really rolling the dice and mm. hoping someone's there at 77 in a good center class. But at the same time, this is also an opportunity for this team to upgrade at a very important position. Mm. You have to kind of convince the Bengals to find upgrades at times, whether that's extending Raymond Luger or extending Domata Pecco or even offering Russell Bodine a contract, which, <laughs> geez, we, we dodged a bullet there. But this is an opportunity that is forced upon them to upgrade, and I'm glad it's there. But it also means that they have to address it, and they can't really let the board fall to them um, it, like they could at other positions. If they want a corner – they can wait. They don't have to take a corner, mm. at, you know, in the first round, second, third round. If they find the guy they really like there in the third round, fine, go ahead. Mm. Safety. They want to upgrade safety, but they don't have to. Yep. It's much different when you look at tackle, guard, and center. Maybe a linebacker, maybe a nose tackle. And I think they would still like to add a defensive end somewhere along the lines. Okay, um, absolutely true. I mean, it's it's that whole kind of... You know, balancing value with need, isn't it? That's the real trick when it comes to the draft. And um, absolutely right that the the centre position is the most glaring, I think, out of, you know, on the team, full stop. There's absolutely no question that they won't draft a uh, a centre. Have I got that right? They won't not draft they a centre. They won't not. No, I got my sort of... <laughs> yeah, um... Do you know what I mean? Though um, they can't, they can't afford not to draft a center. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. And if you read some, you know, like Jeff Hobson has said, well, they like Trey Hopkins. He's been versatile. Maybe he can move in. Um, they've talked about practicing guys like a um, uh, Jake Fisher at every position. I don't know if there's any truth to him like feeling comfortable playing center. Mm-hmm. Christian Westerman was a guy they drafted two years ago. It would be three this draft, but. Uh, he was someone Someone a lot of teams projected at saying, yeah, he's a guard, but he looks like a center, man. He's got a lot of center capabilities in him, but they've never really given, given him that opportunity. So as it sits right now, yeah, it's easily the biggest hole. It's not like last year. Last year I was like, and I think a lot of people felt the same way, um, hmm. they got to draft some offensive linemen. And, and yet 
here we are in the fifth round, and they did not draft an offensive lineman yet. And mm. it was J.J. Dealman in the fifth who they ended up cutting. Yeah. They came away with that draft last year without an offensive lineman. How does that happen? Yeah, right. Absolutely. And I don't think we're going into that scenario this year. I think it's for sure we could end up with two picks out of the top four. I think it, I would be surprised if it wasn't two picks heading into round five uh, yeah. uh, in the offensive line at the very least. Mm. So, Joe, we've talked about center obviously being that glaring need. Now, do you want us to uh, do you want to talk us through sort of some of the prospects and what your take is on them? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's a very good center class. I mean, Normally, you may get one guy that's worthy of a first-round pick at center, and I don't know why the value is low at the center position. These guys are important. Uh, they're making the checks and calls at, for the line guys. They're communicating with both sides of the, of the line, and especially zone-blocking schemes. As they become more prevalent in the NFL, and the Bengals are going to a coach with Frank Pollock from the Cowboys that ran a heavy zone blocking. 77% of their runs were zone blocks, and that's that's outside zone, inside zone. You have to be an athlete. Mm. You have to have length. you got to be smart because you got to know when to either keep pushing a guy or wall him off and create that lane. Mm. You know, zone blocking is different than power man blocking because in those schemes you're like, we're hitting the A-gap and we're hitting it hard. Zone is we're going to block whoever comes across our face first, mm. take him out of the play, and let the running back decide on what hole to hit. And that, fix, that fits Mixon and Gio Bernard very well. So it's going to help them out. Right. But center becomes a major position now. So now it's a premium position for the Bengals where it may not be for some other teams or maybe it wasn't for the Bengals in previous years. Now it becomes very premium for them. So top guys, in my opinion. Um I think you may have three first-round guys this year, and I definitely would take two guys in the first round for the Bengals based on fit. For me, it's James Daniels out of Iowa, um, six foot three and some change. He's got long arms, and he's got fantastic elite athleticism. I mean, this guy, if you go look at his spider chart, if you use like Mock Draftable or go on any of the uh, combine information sites, his athleticism is exactly what you want for his own blocking center. You put on the tape and you say, yep, this is exactly what he is. And they run zone stuff constantly with, with at Iowa. He makes that reach block. And when I say reach block, you got a center, middle of the field, obviously. The, um, the reach is on someone that is, your nose tackle will be at zero or one, which is right up, head up or shoulder up on the center. When you get to that two spot or that three or that four, which is the defensive tackle like a Geno Atkins that's shaded just a little bit off that center, he's more in front of the guard, right? Mm -hmm. So that center has to be able to reach that guy and get in front of him and wall him off. So imagine if you're running to the right, that center's got to snap the ball, quick out of his stance to his right, get it, reach, and, and I mean reach as an arm, get get a hand on that, that Geno Atkins, that, that three tech, pull him in, Keep running, getting in front of him, now walling him off and letting the running back cut up behind you. It is extremely hard. Russell Bodine could not do it. I think I think there's a few centers in this draft that cannot do it. One guy who makes it look seamless and smooth. I mean, when you watch it, you go, it's insane. He shouldn't be able to do that as fast and as quick and as easy as he does. And it's James Daniels. And he's right. 20 years old. He's young. And he is good already. And you have to say, in two years, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the premier center in the NFL or an elite center in the NFL top five guy. And that's what uh, a lot of I, people have said, haven't they? They said he's the best center prospect since Alex Mack, right? Yes, and it's completely fair. I, Mack went 21 overall, and that's where the Bengals pick. Daniels could be had maybe in the late teens. I think some mm -hmm. teams looked at him and said, yeah, he might be a guard also, which I think most of these centers can kick inside and play guard too um, or kick outside in that scenario. But yeah, so – I think the Cowboys, Seahawks, Lions, if they view him as a guard or even a center, um, 
could take him, and that's at 18, 19, and 20. So it's not a guarantee he's there at 21. I think if he is, he should be very high on the Bengals' board, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the pick. If I had to put a little money on something right now, I would say he is the pick. Uh, going from there, though, I think you still have a good center class. Number two for me is Frank Ragnow from Arkansas. Um, a little bit taller at 6'5". He's got decent length, not as long as Daniels, but he, when you watch his tape, he played guard the first two years, center the last two years. He had an ankle injury that limited him to only seven games this past year. And I think he got lost in the shuffle because of it. Post-draft or post-season, pre-draft process, didn't know if he was healthy. So he couldn't participate in the combine. He kind of got pushed down a little bit. Everyone said maybe second, third round for Frank Ragnow. Mm. But so pro day's coming up. He gets cleared to participate in his pro day. And he lights it up, completely tests way better than I expected. I mm. mean, 95th percentile stuff, uh, elite center, all pro center type, you know, puts him in that category with that with the testing. So you say, okay, that was unexpected. And when you do that with draft prospects, you say, well, let's go back and watch. Let's put the tape back on and let's see, does that show up in any form? It could be little things sometimes that, that were, you can get hints that he's mm. that type of athlete. So for me, I focused his second level blocking. And I put on 2016 tape, and I started to go even deeper to see if I can find, you know, these traits. And it showed up a lot. And uh, I think he's the best second-level blocker in the draft. And when I mean second level, yeah. uh, you're going you're gonna to combo block with the right guard. Let's say you run to the right. Boom. You, you and the right guard are on the defensive tackle. And as that linebacker starts scraping over the top to follow the running back, when do you have to release and get that linebacker? Um, Ragnow does it tremendously. He gets mm. he gets on that linebacker. He makes contact with him, and he does not let go. And he finishes. He does it as good as anybody I have ever watched in the second level and in space. It's remarkable. Um, it's a trait much like James Daniels' reach blocks and, and zone blocking. Those two traits are something the Bengals have never had. Mm. And acquiring one of those guys changes your run game dramatically. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think Frank Ragnow is is a premier center and and is worth the 21st pick very much. He's, he's the Alex Mack again, if James Daniel was, right, James right. Daniel wasn't here. So for me, I look at those two and I say slam dunk picks at a very neat position. I'm willing to take them. I think both of them have the same issue though. Sometimes they play a little high and they don't anchor as well, but they end up regaining because of their length, because of their athleticism, they can win on the second and third phase of a play. So sometimes their tape looks a little ugly at times. Right. So, but at, at the same time, I think potential upside is there. Third guy is Billy Price. A lot of Bengals fans are, love him. He played at Ohio State in the state. Um, started all four years. He played guard, one year at center. Uh, he's more of what the Bengals traditionally liked out of their center. A little bit long, a little bit shorter arms, a little bit less of an athlete, a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a football player and a like wrestler background, strong, I mean, strong lower body, strong upper body. He wants to grip these defensive tackles and he wants to fight them into submission and throw them down and jump on top of them. All good things. Billy Price is not a bad prospect at all. He's a starting center from day one, even a guard. A lot of teams view him as a guard and he upgrades this offensive line. I'm not sure if he's special enough athletically to warrant the 21st pick, Mm -hmm. but at 46, again, I think that's a slam dunk pick if he's there. And because he tore his pectoral and had to have surgery uh, at the combine, he is probably the most likely of those top three guys to be there at 46. And that becomes a dilemma. Do we take two very good center prospects at 21 
Or do you bet that one of the top three, and I think prices is every bit close to that discussion with those two, mm-hmm. um, at 46 and risk that one of them will be there? There's a chance none of them are there. If yeah. you would asked me two months ago, I said I would have said two out of three are there. Yeah, As we right. get closer, I'm going to say I'm not sure one of them will be there. But with 11 picks, do you move up and go get them? And there's other guys in this draft too. There's Austin Corbett from Nevada yeah. who's played left tackle. Uh, he shows the traits and ability to move and play other positions. I think a lot of teams are going to view him as a center or a guard. Uh, I think you got guys like Mason Cole, Will Clapp, yeah. Yeah, Bradley Bozeman. I like Mason Cole a lot, another left tackle guy. And if you look at Frank Pollock's history with the Cowboys, they drafted all left tackles except for Travis Frederick at center. But everyone else was a former left tackle in college. So seeing those traits and that they brought in Austin Corbett – I think that's the guy if they bet and lost and the top three guys weren't there at 46, it would be an Austin Corbett. And they would say, you know, what, we're going to figure it out from here. Uh, we'll, we'll work on that center position and get him transitioned to that spot. Uh, so it makes sense to me if they do that. I just still think in a very, very strong center class, don't let other people make the choice for you. You're out in front. You may be the first one to take one. Take whoever you do think it. is the best yeah. out of Daniels yeah. and Ragnow. Yeah. What about the rest of the offensive line? Because um... – I mean, you wrote an article for The Athletic, and we'll mention The Athletic a bit later. Um, You wrote an article saying that our starting right tackle could well be on the team with reference to Jake Fisher. Um, And yet they've been doing a hell of a lot of work on Mike McGlinchey. They've... They brought him in. They've gone to his pro day. They checked him out. They again. They you know taken him out for dinner. All the rest of it. They out of everyone in this draft, I think they've done the most work on Mike McGlinchey, and that tells me that they're extremely interested in him. Um, And it's kind of, I know that you like Isaiah Wynn at guard and, you know, Will Hernandez has been mocked a lot to the Bengals. Dave Lapham mentioned Colton Miller last week. Some people I've read that, you know, who view him as a better prospect in the long run than Mike McGlinchey. I can't even say it, let alone think it. (laughs) Mike McGlinchey. Um, What's your... You said, you know, we may end up coming away from this draft with two offensive linemen picks in the first four rounds. Um, what's next in priority for you and who do you like out of the, the guard and the and the tackle pro, uh, class? Yeah, and I'll start with Fisher. I thought, you know, with the heart issue, uh, he wasn't finishing games. He wasn't even practicing fully around that time. I thought yeah. his tape, there's a difference between like production and traits you're looking for when you're watching tape and for me i thought fisher nailed the traits and showed the ability that i thought he had when he was coming out of a starting tackle in the nfl that's an athletic guy too it wasn't all there but when you watch a lot of it the entire offensive line was terrible last year there was times where these guys are run blocking and it didn't look like there was any sync between the two it could be right guard right tackle in this scenario They, they there was no communication they weren't they weren't together on it I don't know what the what was going on there. I've got an idea, but there's a reason Paul Alexander was 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 let go. Um, so now you want to create a Mendoza line, if you will, of where in these prospects do you put Jake Fisher, a 25 year old, uh, with still some upside left in him because we really haven't even seen him play for a full year yet. So you create a Mendoza line. Let's say if you say he's all right, we go down the prospects one, two, three, four, five at O'Tackle. And you say, okay, that's the cutoff line. After that, we're starting Jake Fisher. And that was the idea I came with after watching a lot of these tackles was if they don't get one in the first round, if they don't get one at 46, your best guy on your team is probably going to be Jake Fisher, even if you take a tackle in the third round because these guys need a lot of work. It's a bad tackle class. 
Now that goes to now in the first round. Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame, six foot eight, good run blocker, technician, mm. intelligent guy, captain, leader, everything you want from that perspective. You wish he he was a little bit more athletic, but at six eight, I think that's going to happen. Uh, you can only be so quick and agile on your feet. Um, but I think the Bengals really, really, really like Mike McGlinchey, and if he was there at twenty one. I think they would jump on it, even with liking Fisher. You figure that stuff out later. You, you got a prospect you like, you take it, you figure out center, and then in the subsequent picks. Mm. Um, I don't think McGlinchey's going to be there. I In mm. this class, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins took him at 9, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals at 15, Seahawks, I mean, you go down the list, it's a murderous row in that, in that 15 to 20 range of teams that need offensive line help, and tackle is still the premium spot. Uh, so I don't think he makes it. I think the, the interest they've expressed in McGlinchey is is strange to an extent. Right. Because I, you don't have that many visits and dinners and private workouts if you didn't know, you know, that guy's not going to be there at 21. I, I think yeah. it's it's so it's so odd that maybe they would consider trading up to 15, 16, 17. You have 11 picks. It might cost you a third rounder. You have two third rounders. Uh, if that means you secure a, the best tackle in this draft, I could get behind that idea. Mm. Uh, now it depends on where do you view Colton Miller, the next guy to UCLA. Again, another big, tall guy who tested as the best offensive line prospect ever athletically, right? Yeah. And it's not on tape. So what do you do then as an evaluator, right, right, as a right. GM or a scout? You say, okay, he tests like one. And it's important to do that. Uh but you don't see it on tape because he's got bad footwork. Mm. He's got a false step. A lot of old line guys will say he's got a false step built into his kick slide, and that spells death for a lot of prospects. Mm. It is hard in today's NFL to completely rebuild your mechanics when you have something like that in there. It's like having a bad throwing motion at quarterback. Right. It's not going to change when stuff go, when it's third down and you're facing a fast pass rusher. Guess what? You're going to revert back to your natural form and. Um, you see that a lot with Miller, and if it's in there, he's going to get beat a ton. It's like drafting a boy and Fisher because mm. athletically, you're like, yeah, I want this. I want the length. I, I like these guys. Uh, we're going to rebuild them. We're going to rebuild their technique. It's it's tough to do it now. Yeah. Um, so it, that is a risky pick, I think, for the Bengals. So do you, so do you I, think there'll be a bit more of a different approach to this draft? The fact that they're there has to be right looking for measurables, but not. The tape. That's what the argument that you. That, that, that's what they've been doing or have done in the, in the in the past, right? Especially with take someone like Oboy, where he looked fantastic. He looked like a proper athlete. He was a Godzilla coming out of college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. yet he had the still had these glaring technical problems that everyone seemed to be aware of, uh, yep. and probably the Bengals were too. You know, th- these guys aren't completely stupid, mm. um, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, we can coach this guy up. We can, we can get in, dig deep into his kind of technical side and and make things better. But it obviously, unfortunately for you know everyone wants him to succeed, um, but it hasn't worked with said, has it at all? Well, the thing is, well, they've got Frank Pollock, haven't they, as the offensive yeah. line coach? And you wonder if he sat there and got a different approach on what he wants from a prospect, or if he sat there saying, you know what, give me someone like Colton Miller and I'll train him up. You know, I'll do a better yeah. job than Paul Alexander did. It's going to be an interesting to see how you know if there is a different approach with mm. the different you know members of staff on the team. Absolutely. And so, Joe, do you think all that being said, because there's other prospects in that offensive line, like Orlando Brown. I know that's a almost like a separate podcast in itself, really. Um, 
Will Richardson. He's the opposite of Colton Miller. Right. Okay. Right. right. Where he, he's also <laughs> six foot seven, eight, and he bombed the combine. Right. Mm. Completely. We're tested as the worst athlete of all time. So yeah, Miller's right. the best, and Brown's the worst. Uh, I think, and this is, again, you go back to the tape on Brown, and you say. Yeah, he, they don't ask him to move. They realize he's not a good athlete. They they don't even ask him to do like a five or seven step, you know, and protect on a five or seven step drop. Um, so yeah, they're they're aware of those issues. And I think and and you, you know, betting on history, you have to do that. You have to add the analytics into this. When they say the worst athlete of all time, and there's a line somewhere where you shouldn't draft underneath it, and he's so far underneath it, he, he slides to now what the third round, fourth round. And the Bengals did this with Paul Dawson. They said, okay, comp- compensatory third-round pick, guy mm. bombed the combine, but you know what? The tape was good. Uh, we'll take that bet. It's still a bad bet. You're still yeah. betting against history, and I don't want to do that. So mm. Brown is an interesting one. He's got a re- relationship with uh, – Oh, hello. I dropped my phone there. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so Orlando Brown's got a relationship with Marvin Lewis. Yeah. And – Maybe that means the fifth or sixth round, but I think okay. if you're drafting him in the third. That's risky and scary. They did bring in other guys though, like Martinez Rankin, Rankin yeah. from uh, Mississippi, uh, Tyrell Crosby from Oregon. I think he looks more like a guard. Uh, but you know, so they've had interest, and I wonder if, like I said earlier about Fisher, if it's just creating that Mendoza line of how far can we go with drafting these guys until Fisher or even Abuehi or Bobby Hart is the best option at right tackle. Yeah. So do you, out of everything, with all this, you know, I think I think we all we all agree that centre is an absolute necessity, whether that is around one, and I think it probably should be. Um, uh, what what happens next? Is it a guard? I know it's all about who falls in your lap and whether you know you want to trade up or down or whatever. Um, who guard? Because there are bodies there, you know. There's there are bodies on the offensive line, not like amazing bodies at the moment let's let's all face it but there are bodies there um that's a good way to describe it right there's yeah. bodies i mean guys that have <laughs> played a little bit guys that at least i'm somewhat interested in yeah but i'm not going to not draft an isaiah win at 46 because of the bodies that are there right yeah right so could you could would you advocate a double dip in the first two rounds of a, a an offensive line selection if you truly wanted to get this offensive line in shape quickly yeah, of course I'd advocate for it. And I think the the interior offensive line this year is so strong yeah. that you're going to get, a, a, again, a A1 guy at 46 if you're look, still looking at center or guard potentially. Uh, if yeah. it's an off, Austin Corbett at 46, man, that's a slam dunk right guard in my opinion. I, right. I would like to see him play tackle to be honest. But right, right. if he's your right guard and you took Daniels and Ragnow in the first round at center – Man, I guess what? Four out of your five positions are locked, and I would love to see Fisher win that right spot. You could turn this around instantly, yeah. and that's that sounds good. Uh, I don't think the Bengals will, though. Mm. I, you know, I think they still want to address and add talent in other spots, and there's always somebody that falls. Yeah. If someone falls and it's a defensive tackle that they like, if it's mm. Jerron Payne still there and they brought him in for a visit, you, you might say, all right, that's our pick. We'll, we'll, we'll go into the next pick and look for an offensive lineman again. It could be a Ronnie Harrison or a Justin Reed, safeties. And mm. I don't think safety is a huge need, but I do understand that they want to upgrade from that spot and uh, potentially find someone that can they can go to a more three-safety look and kick a linebacker off the field. I'm for that. So if you draft one of those guys, I completely understand. So for me, yeah, it's – you could really maximize and get this offense on, on on the direct path by by taking two offensive linemen back to back. Uh, I don't think 
they will unless someone's there. Let's say you do – let's say they have first-round grades on the top three centers, right? Mm-hmm. And they take one at 21. Now, all of a sudden, Billy Price is still there at 46. Yeah. You take Price and you play him at right guard, right? And that's, okay, for them, right, that's right. a first-round guy that's still yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see in that scenario, yeah, I think they would go offensive line back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Joe, we've talked a lot about the offensive line. Um, I'm going to sort of segue over to the offense in general. Are there positions there that you think the Bengals could be looking at early, potentially you know, wide receiver, looking at that. I mean, that's a potentially dicey situation. You've got, obviously, A.J. Green, who's an elite starter. And then behind that, it almost looks a little bit flaky with, you know, Brandon yeah. LaFell, a fairly mediocre, if not below mediocre starter. You've got John Ross, who at the moment is a pretty big unknown. Um, what's your thoughts there? Is that a position the Bengals could potentially look to address? Probably not in the first round, but maybe the second. Um, or even, I mean, there's been, you know, flirtations with, like, flirtations, I don't even know if that's the word, but um, there's been a lot, the Bengals have sort of had a look at some quarterbacks and there's been a few murmurs about that. Is that something they could look at in maybe round three, maybe earlier, maybe later? Just want to get your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the only position that's off the table is running back in the first two days. Um, Afterwards, I think you could take a tight end because all three guys that are on contract now, even though I like the group, uh, Eifert's been injured, obviously, but they're all in one-year deals. So you could potentially take a guy and secure not only the insurance for Eifert being hurt, but to move on to the future. At receiver, right, Boyd, Tyler Boyd in the slot, um, he keeps getting beat out by Brandon LaFell, basically. And you kind of – you want Ross to be that number two. So in a perfect world, he's your number two this year, and he's healthy most of the year. And that sounds crazy as it comes out of my mouth, but it could happen. <laughs> and as – if Tyler Boyd takes the next step as your slot guy, you're good. Those are your three guys, and you move forward. Mm, I yeah. think it's more likely that you could upgrade from Tyler Boyd, and you kind of have to. You made the bet in the bed with with John Ross. You kind of have to live with it, and your insurance for that is a Josh Malone and a and a Brandon LaFell. Uh, so for me, I think if a slot guy was there that can separate quickly, that can run after the catch, a quick athlete guy with returnability, I think would be key too. Right. Uh, in the third round. I think they could look at it in the third round. By, based on the guys they have had interest in, um, I have guys in this, maybe, whether it's like an Anthony Miller from Memphis mm-hmm. or maybe it's a later in the draft, a Richie James or, you know, someone that's a slot guy with returnability. Um, yes, I think receiver could be had then. I don't think they'll push it, though. Right. Quarterback is interesting because I think, you know, for the most part, they're publicly happy with Andy Dalton. I do think they're aware that with only a couple years left on his deal, they don't want to pay him $25 million a year and potentially like $70 million guaranteed if you look at what these guys are getting. Yeah. Uh, I think that frightens them. And they're aware that you could upgrade from Andy Dalton. It's hard to find a quarterback, admittedly. But yes, if you struck gold, you could upgrade from Andy Dalton. And it wouldn't be too crazy to do so. From what I understand, they have first-round grades on some of these guys out there. and. Right. That means you would consider it if at 21, Lamar Jackson was still there. Mm. And, um, I, man, it would be crazy, and it would be interesting. Uh, I don't think they pull the trigger, but at 46, let's say Lamar Jackson's still there. Let's say Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State is there. And you Someone like Ru- you made. like Rudolph, don't you? you? You do like Mason I've heard Rudolph. a lot of people say that about mm. Rudolph. I feel like he's climbing some boards. There's yeah, been a few yeah. people I spoke to that have said that. Rudolph is intriguing. Because he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. And as you realize and step back that in a weaker quarterback class, because this is a really good one, you're going to have five, maybe six guys go in the first round. Yeah. Um, and in a weaker class, I think 
like the Bills at 12 would take Mason Rudolph. And guess what? What? And they might even do it on Thursday. So yeah. uh, if he's there at 46, from what I understand, the Bengals liked him and do like him. I think he could be a capable starter. Uh, he's got a great deep ball and accuracy-wise a great deep ball. And he doesn't have the strongest arm, but well-versed in his offense, very, very experienced. Uh, their offense pushed the ball down the field constantly at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Like there, there isn't a lot of dink and dunk stuff. Yeah, they'll throw the screens like anybody else, but these passes are ten yards downfield at least, and that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you watch the Bengals offense, you see that <laughs> it's a big difference. So yeah. um, I think they would like Rudolph, and if he's there at forty-six or Jackson's at forty-six, I think we have to think about it. The last guy I will say is Kyle Lauletta out of Richmond. Right, someone that I, you had the feeling they were they were somewhat interested in. And then he was on the visits on the last day, which late visits are important. And from what I can tell in, in their draft history, mm-hmm. I don't know where Lauletta goes. I think he's a lot like Andy Dalton in terms of he's a better athlete than expected average to below average arm coming out. Dalton's has gotten a little bit stronger, um, very task oriented in nature, which means like this coverage I'm throwing here at this time. And that's how Dalton is. It's that second, um, nature that really where Dalton falters at times when things aren't the way, the way it's supposed to go. I see a lot of that in Lauletta yeah. with interesting, I would say, pocket presence. And but he's a better athlete, so he he escapes one read and go. If the reads are there, these guys are flawless, and I think that's the way Dalton and, and Lauletta are. And I, I find it interesting that they like him, or at least have shown mm. the amount of interest they have. Um, so if he's there in the third, top of the third round, where they pick. I wouldn't be surprised again. So I think it could happen. I don't think it's as far-fetched. The longer we go, every year we, we wonder if they're going to take a quarterback, right? But the longer they go, the closer they get to the end of Dalton's contract, the older he gets, the more bad years they're going to compile in a row, which is now two. Yeah. You, I think the pressure mounts that they take one earlier and earlier. It's going to be interesting. Um, I think the offense is going to be – well, is it? I don't know because I, I keep every fan-speak mock draft that I do um, – I always end up taking a defensive player either on the defensive front, you know, a, a tackle or an end or an edge rusher because um, there are good players that may well drop to us at 21. And as you say, there is a bit of depth at the centre and the offensive line position. And I still think we need uh, certainly defensive end because Michael Johnson's coming to the end of the road, unfortunately for him. Um, Chris Smith left in free agency uh, Jordan Willis is still kind of going to be in his second year so we do need a bit of you know and Carlos of course Carlos Dunlap is in a contract year so who knows what they're going to do with him Jury's still out on Andrew Billings as well a little bit so and by all accounts Terrell Austin our new defensive coordinator wants to get bigger heavier stop that run in the middle of the field to really clog that middle up mm. Um and they seem to have done, again, quite a lot of work on quite a lot of defensive linemen. You're looking at Vita Vea, Deron Payne, yeah. Taven Bryan, Nathan Shepard, you know, PJ Hall, Bilal Nichols, John Atkins. I could go on and on. They, they Arden Key, you know. So uh, as, as important as the offensive line is, and I think everyone agrees that, and I think, you know, we need to get two or three picks in those top four picks, I would say, like you said, Joe. What's the likelihood of uh, a real big Godzilla being drafted in <laughs> in the first round? At you love 21? that Godzilla, didn't you? I do. I do. <laughs> I love Godzilla. Uh, I think it's I think it's plausible, and I say that because um, 
I think Vita Vea is the interesting one. Uh, uh, nose tackle from Washington. I mean, when you're 345 pounds and as, as strong as he is, he he wrecked people in college, man. Mm. He threw guys to the ground, and he's got some juice and some athleticism and agility to him that really makes him intriguing. I'm all for never drafting a nose tackle in the first round. I just don't think the role players at this time. And if yeah. nickel is your base defense now and you're playing that 65% of the time, your nose tackle is not on the field. It's that third defensive end that's really a starter, so that leads into yeah. that. That yeah, they need another defensive end still. Even if Jordan Willis takes the next step, you drafted two smaller guys last year, and you needed to because you needed to add some speed and, and athleticism on the edge, and they they accomplished that with Lawson and Willis. But with Dunlap being on the last year of his deal, you'd like to sign him, but he's on such a cheap deal, man. You're almost gonna have to double it uh, right, on his next right, one. Right. You should probably look to get a taller, longer more stout guy on the end spot, whether that's a um, Marcus Davenport from UTSA and at 21. And a lot of people like him even higher than that. I think he could probably be closer to 46. I think Sam Hubbard from Ohio state, uh, who's six, five two sixty five, uh, probably gets closer to 46. And I think they would be interested at that spot. Um, defensive tackle is an interesting one though. Vita Vea probably would have been in consideration at 12. Right. I think he probably goes between 10 and 20. Right. But there's a chance he's there at 21. And what do they do then? Say McGlinchey's off the board. Um, say you're looking at the top three centers. All three are there. So you're saying, okay, we think one of these guys probably get close to 46. And if not, we may even move up a, a couple spots because you have 11 picks. Yeah. Take Vitavea now. We get stronger. We get bigger. We defend the run a little bit better in our base defense, which helps us get to our pass rush unit, right? So right. it has value, even if he only plays 400, 450 snaps at most. Yeah. Uh, so you make that pick, and you, you you start targeting center after that and really making sure you secure it, and maybe you move up to 40 or 38, 39 in that range. I could see it, and I could see him being very high on their board. The other defensive guy, I think, that can make them bypass O-line at 21 would be um, Derwin James. And a lot of people had right. James as a top 10 prospect. But really, as you push those quarterbacks, and you can see four or five of them in the, in the top 10, uh, if that happens, you start moving guys down a little bit. And the thing about Derwin is there's been some questions about his personality, I, I would say. He never really did the agility drills, even though all of all the other drills he measured very good in. I think it shows up on tape sometimes where he's a little stiff and a little hesitant to react. Yeah, He's a strong safety, in my opinion, through and through. But at the same time, maybe he's also you're a nickel linebacker for you. Mm. And I think that, that not only upgrades your safety position, it upgrades your linebacker and your coverage unit in the middle of the field. Well, I wanted I to, I wanted to ask you about it. that, Joe, because, sorry to interrupt, um, I often think that, or have thought that linebacker is a pretty is a position that they have never really addressed in my opinion, not for a long time, um, right. and we always seem to get shredded by tight ends over the middle or wide receivers or running backs out of the backfield. You name it, it's that kind of in the flat, little shallow crossing routes, whatever. We always, always, always seem to get absolutely shredded there. So I kind of think I often think that you know, or have thought that linebacker is. Almost a glare, a sneaky glaring need, almost a, along the same lines as the the um, the offensive line, almost. And I and I've got a bit of a a draft crush on Darius Leonard. But what you make uh, a really good point at is if they want to bring in a safety, and it's pretty obvious that they do, that could affect um, the linebacking play, or at least the yeah. coverage in certain packages in the middle of the field. Can you just kind of explain that a little bit? 
Yeah, think of the Patriots and Eagles. Go to the Super Bowl game, and both of them did that. They they both were had injuries at linebacker. They didn't have the personnel anyways, I think, to, to cover uh, with linebackers. So what they did was, and the Patriots had three good safeties, and they said, Patrick Chung, you've kind of been our star, and that's I'm talking of a, uh, a, a name of a position, star, rover, is what yeah. they call it in college. Right. It's starting to come into the NFL. Um, that safety can play some nickel guy and cover the slot if it's a tight end. He can also play linebacker. And the, and the Patriots did it with Patrick Chung. Chung did it in, at Oregon, so he's he really been doing it for a long time. For the Eagles, they took Malcolm Jenkins and did it, and he played some linebacker. He covered some slot if it was a tight end or running back splitting out. Um, the Bengals don't have that kind of guy, and a lot of teams are doing this. It's not just those two, even though they were in the Super Bowl doing it. Uh, if you look at the Bengals, bringing in Eric Reed, I think, was – a good hint towards this. And Reed played a lot of free safety his first few years, transitioned to strong safety. He's a big guy. He ended up playing linebacker a lot last year for the 49ers as they had injuries and coverage issues. And he looked decent doing it. I think when you got three big guys and if that, if they acquired Reed, uh, which could still happen in my opinion. Um, but I Sean Williams and whoever that other third safety is, You've got three guys that could potentially move down and cover and and play a little bit of linebacker and right. look at like the Cardinals with Deion Buchanan and then there's been a lot of famous guys that to do it the last five to ten years uh, at safety. I think that's how you kill two birds with one stone. If you want to upgrade safety, but at the same time would like to get a little bit more athletic in the middle of the field and find a way to get all three guys on the field mm-hmm. at at safety, that's how you do it. And it could be in the second round. That's why I mentioned Ronnie Harrison yeah. and, and a Justin Reed. Cause I think those are sneaky picks for that spot. Yeah. And um, in my opinion, the Bengals previous schemes didn't help their linebackers. Didn't help their safeties either make plays. Yeah. They were a heavy zone team. They had man in there, but as much zone as they played, especially in the middle of the field, even if they were playing man at times at corner, the linebackers would still be in zone and the flats would be wide open or that second level, you know, as they bring those middle linebackers up, uh, to cover the A-gap, right? They're showing blitz. Those safeties are still playing deep. There is a big void in the middle of the field, and we'd get torched by these tight ends and even running backs yeah, yeah. in that in that area. So um, I think just in the change of scheme, you're going to get better production there. But if you get an athlete, because that's the other part too, you can't cover a man if you don't have an athlete that can cover a man, and they don't. Nick Vigil's probably their most athletic guy, maybe Evans. But again, I, I don't think we know what we even have in those guys, really. No, that's uh, right. So it's hard to play zone and ask those guys to react and cover ground and make tackles in space when they're not great athletes. But it's even harder to ask them to cover one-on-one and man coverage. So for me, I agree it's a need. I think they have a lot of different options on how they want to attack it. It could be a Malik Jefferson, let's say, in the second round. It could be a Fred Fred Warner from BYU in the second round. I think these guys, though, those two test athletically look athletic, right? Right. In college, they don't ask them to do a lot of the same coverage stuff that NFL linebackers are asked to do. So it's still so a bit of an unknown for them then, right? A bit of an unknown. Yeah. It may not work in year one. It may right. work in 2019. But again, a lot like we said, with there's like a line there where you're, you now you're saying it's not an upgrade this year. I think that happens at linebacker too. Yeah. Where Nick Vigil, a former third rounder, you might go, yeah, he's probably still our best option we're here in the third round and if it's a Darius Leonard or you know there's a bunch of guys I think honestly I think this third fourth round for linebacker could yield um some starters and Mm -hmm. whether it's a Lorenzo Carter from Georgia or it's a Josie Jewell from Iowa I think there's a lot of different guys that you could look at it and say um yeah you're gonna draft them this year but they probably don't get you more athletic or better in coverage in 2018 and maybe a year down the line whereas a safety quite probably could Yes, I think yeah. safety 
automatically get you more athletic, obviously from a safety to a linebacker. Um, and obviously those guys play more coverage. So yeah, sure, sure. yeah I think it, it, as long as they can handle the responsibilities versus the run, which isn't a given because obviously you're losing probably 20 pounds at least on these guys. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of that, but at the same time, in your nickel package, I think they fa- they face the pass like almost 70% of the time while a nickel. So if you're doing it then, you're really hedging your bets that you're, yeah, we may lose a little bit against the run in, in, in this defense. Yeah. Uh, but percentage-wise, we're going to get much better. Now, Joe, we've talked about offense. We've talked about defense. Um, we can't leave out special teams. Now, I was absolutely furious at the Bengals letting Jake Elliott go last year as I'm not a big fan of Randy Bullock. And I think with the 11 picks they've got in this draft, it would make a lot of sense to throw maybe a sort of fifth, sixth, seventh um, at a kicker. What are your thoughts there on the prospects available? And do you think it's a sensible um, sort of would be a sensible selection for the Bengals? Yeah, again, I think kicker is still in, uh, a need, or maybe maybe more of a want, uh, I guess. Where just to give some competition to Bullock, you know, you yeah. don't want him to get too comfortable in training camp. Even if it's bring, I mean, I'm sure if they don't draft someone, it's almost a guarantee they bring someone in um, as yeah. an unrestricted, like you know, sort of someone that wasn't drafted. But what about the prospects? What what do you think there? Who would you be targeting? Well, there's a couple guys. There's Carlson from Auburn, who I think has the stronger leg. Um, and then there's Pinero from Florida, who I was told they had interest in, and and he's more of a seventh rounder. So I think that makes more sense because they don't have a sixth. Yeah. So if you if you want to be in position where you're spending one of those fifth rounders again, listen, if you spend a fifth round on a kicker, he better make your damn team. Yeah. You know, you can't yeah. go in as with competition. <laughs> yeah. um, you drafted him for a reason. The first kicker overall in a good kicker class last year. You better. He's on the team as soon as you handed that card in. I think they botched that completely. Yeah. Um, but anyways, on this year's class. If you're spending a seventh and they have three picks close to the end of the entire draft and like an Eddie Pinheiro from Florida is there, a guy who was very accurate, doesn't look like he has a strong leg, but really from distance was never an issue for him. Florida just never asked him to do it, a lot lot like how the Bengals operate anyways. Um, But his kickoffs were really good. Uh, I think that's part of the issue, though, right, is asking your kicker to make those 45-plus, 50-plus kicks. I think if Elliott was on the team, are the Bengals even kicking those kicks that yeah, the Eagles trusted them to kick? That's true. It's a good point. It's a good point. Right. It's, it's about being, you know, confident in your guy. And, you know, that started when they drafted him. He should have been on the team. But point is, the strong leg is nice. But under Marvin Lewis, I don't know if we'll ever even get a chance to see it. Uh, we might still be punting from the 50 rather than actually trying a, a distance kick here. So, But I do think, yes, punter is uh, still a want for this team and, and, and an opportunity to get better. If you get better, if you get a guy with a stronger leg, you have the chance to be a little bit more aggressive on offense. Um, take three instead of you know punting, if you will. And the field position, old school Marvin, I feel like that's still going to be a thing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Joe, we've talked obviously a lot about players you would like and you've alluded to some prospects that you hope the Bengals take at 21. In your opinion, what is the worst case scenario, realistically, that the Bengals walk away at 21 with? Who's a player that they could potentially select that you think either wouldn't represent good value for money or it wouldn't particularly be the best fit for the Bengals? Like, Who would you be absolutely you know, sending out some fiery, aggressive tweets about come Thursday night? It would be Colton Miller, I think, in an absolutely worst-case scenario. 
Um, if they've repeated that mistake, and that's not out of the <laughs> realm of possibility for the Bengals. No. Uh, See, Dave Lapper was would... alluding to the fact that he quite liked Colton Miller, wasn't he? Yeah, that's he right. Was... And I read, uh, yeah, like I think Jason Lacanfora was saying that all the all the guys that he trusts, the offensive linemen, <laughs> evaluators, reckon that Miller's the best, actually the best. You know, it's kind of like, who do you trust here? It's kind of like, <laughs> not sure which one to go with. But you know what I mean? There's well, a lot of people that went nuts when when we put out that Lapham mentioned Colton Miller. It was crazy. Well, think about it. I think Lock and Forrest said the Raiders and Raiders O-line coach is Tom uh, Cable, right? Okay, right. Tom Cable, um, he's... Well, you know, He's you had very me at, highly thought of. You had me at Raiders, to be honest, Joe. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I don't have to go any farther than that, right? <laughs> but think, well, let's think about it though. Let's unpack this a little. Tom Tom Cable. He's thought of highly. He keeps getting jobs, but his O line sucks every year. Yeah, yeah, he right. takes these raw prospects and never develops them into anything. So yeah, that makes sense that he likes Colton Miller because he's a loon, I guess. But um, you look at the Bengals now. So maybe maybe. Um, Dave Lapham has heard that they like Colton Miller. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much tape Lap watches, but let's say he heard it from the coaches, right? And right. the Bengals rely heavily on coaches to fill out their scouting staff, right? And they, 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 and that's a good thing if you have good coaches and guys are making correct decisions, or you can have Paul Alexander picking Russell Bodine, Cedric Abouye, and Jake Fisher, and you can bomb your team because of it. Yeah. But coaches believe. They can fix those issues. They see something a flaw in his in his his technique. They're like, oh man, we just work on that. We're good. We, you know, he's gonna be dynamite. Look at look at this. This guy's athletic. He's big. He's smart. Yeah, he'll work. Um, but at the same time, I think a scout would look at it and say, or a GM that that plans for longer than just you know the the immediate future would say, yeah, but you know those guys don't typically fix that issue and even though he may be working on it right now pre-draft and he's going out for workouts and he's like yeah i've been working on my kick slide look yeah, it's yeah. better now when the bullets start flying you revert back to what you've done for 10 years rather than what you've done for you've done for two months mm. so um it's not unfixable things aren't ever unfixable in the nfl but you need to sit i think in my opinion you sit and you re you 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 get a new throwing motion. You sit and you practice and you get uh, a new technique, whether that's your kick slide or your or your press or whatever you're doing for your position. But if you avoid the live fire, is when you can rewire your brain and rewire your technique. It's the live fire that makes you revert back and makes you lose the training you've done. So for me, I would avoid guys that have those fatal flaws in their game. And for me, I would I would be upset if they took that bet again on a Colton Miller I think other worst case scenarios so like I'd say it's not Miller Miller's bombshell this sucks right, right. Um, even, though may, even though it may turn out but that would be my reaction I hope Colton right? Miller's not listening to this <laughs> he's feeling really he's like man what what did Joe I do doesn't <laughs> like me because <laughs> you had For that me? didn't you? you 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 had a bit of a to and fro with Brandon, Brandon Lafell last, was last over season it. wasn't didn't you it happens, right? Yeah, I mean, right, let's right. be honest. Blaine LaFell seems like a cool guy. He seems like a good leader, good locker room guy. Yeah. Um, but what do the Bengals need at receiver? They needed someone with a little bit of speed to help yeah. A.J. Green. Yeah, yeah. LaFell, there's nothing wrong with LaFell, but he's not what the Bengals need. Um, had they have signed in free agency a Torrey Smith, let's say, or a Mike Wallace. Yeah. Same type of production, but you get the trait you the team is lacking. You yeah. know what I mean? So there's different ways to go about it. And he didn't like what I was saying, so he said, you know, <laughs> yeah, look at this was... guy. He, he hates <laughs> me. I don't hate. 
you know, no, I don't. It's never ever just, personal, isn't it? It's never. That's the thing. It's never personal. It's but it's sports, person. though. It's sports. Joe Goodbury. Joe Goodbury versus Brandon LaFell at WrestleMania. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. He'd probably destroy me. <laughs> um, He's an NFL player. Yeah. But I was going to finish. If you want the the other worst case that I don't think is yeah. bad at all, be a Vita Vea. Uh, Billy Price or Rashawn Evans. We didn't talk about Evans from Alabama. Mm. Um, he's he's perfect in terms right. of downhill, destroying, taking on blockers head first and blowing them up, just closing speed in a flash. But um, his cover skills were almost non-existent. Alabama didn't ask him right. to do it. So you don't get better there. I, but I think they like Price, Vita Vea, and, um, and Rashawn Evans. And in a different board, a, a certain scenario, all three of those guys could be the pick. Um I wouldn't be mad. I would just be like, yeah, you know, you didn't maximize this pick. Uh, let's move on to the next next round. Okay, so just wrapping this up now, Joe, you've been fantastic and really digging deep for us. And we, we again, you've done it for us every couple, for the past two or three years. And this has been fantastic. So we can't thank you enough for the time. Um, and we have to ask you about some names. Give us five names. If all the cards fell in the right way, five names that you would take in the in the first round. Oh, on the first, yeah, for sure. Okay, um, I think you know, for me, I and who I would take, and who I think the Bengals would take in this. I think Derwin James, if he fell, if the cards were right, they'd take him. Mike McGlinchey, obviously, they've done a lot of work. I think they'd take him. I think Frank Ragnow and James Daniels are high on their board. Um, I think the surprise one would be a corner again, and I think that <sighs> position-wise, I would probably, and a lot of people would probably be like, "Come on, not yeah. another corner." But Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, it's a really Oof. good corner class. You're going to have first-round guys, I think, in the second round. Mm. Um, and for me, I think they could really like a Jackson. If they liked William Jackson, I can see why they'd like Josh Jackson from Iowa. Talking right. ball skills, it would be a risk to throw against these guys every time they're on the field. Um, I don't want another corner. But I could see a scenario if they think he's a top-15 guy on their board and they're not comfortable taking interior offensive line because the Bengals have really neglected that that grouping for a while now um they say josh jackson we like him we're taking him joe you've been absolutely fantastic and this insight i'm sure will be fantastic for a lot of our um, listeners in the uk now we're leaving the draft and just before we let people go we like to throw two questions at them the first is we like to get the guests to give their prediction for next year on the Bengals record. Now, I know the draft hasn't happened and there's still some free agency bits and pieces to unfold. We're putting you on the spot. We've had, I think everyone has gone pretty high and been optimistic, haven't they, Paul? They've Ken gone... Anderson said 12 and 4. 12 and 4. Really? Yeah, yeah, he was keen. Um, Solomon Wilcox, I think, went 10 and 6. Huber, Huber Kevin Huber went 10 and 6. Huber well, went 10 and 6. I think Wilcox went 11 and 5. Yeah. Um, very optimistic from them. What is Joe Goodbury saying for the Bengals' record in 2018? Well, if I'm projecting that far out, and we haven't done the draft, obviously, so I, in <laughs> no. my mind, I'm projecting the draft really fast yeah. and um, <laughs> how it could help the team. Let's say they secure the offensive line through the draft. If they do one thing, they add talent there, right? Okay. Right. Um, I do love the addition of Frank Pollock. I think Laser in year two will be completely better than what Zampese started with and left him with. Um, I wonder if the defense will be better or worse. I'm really not sure right now. Yeah. Uh, I would say they have the chance to go nine and seven. I think the, the, the schedule is not that bad. I think if they start to lean on Joe Mixon and really devise the right offense, they could go 10 and six. I'm going to say nine and seven is my official okay. number. 
Nine and seven from Joe Goodbury. We will note that down. At the end of the year, we will see who's correct. The final question I think you were warned about on Twitter is, we like a good beer on the podcast and we like to try out some new stuff. What is Joe Goodbury's beer of choice? Now, I'm not a heavy beer drinker. I'm not a big drinker anyways. If I can finish a beer on a weekend, it's a it's an accomplishment. <laughs> but I have in the cooler right now, I have uh, Corona and I have Yingling. I don't know if you guys have Yingling. Yingling, but, uh, what's that? Tell us more. I don't know how to explain it to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I was a beer connoisseur, I think it's a Budweiser brand, but it's like they're, uh, okay, it's, right. Uh, I, right, it's their like darker brew, you know. Right, and okay, right. It, I like it. They, it comes in a bunch of different, a black and tan, which is really dark and, and, and that's filling and, and, you know, I like that. But the, the basic Yingling is good too. So Joe Goodbury, expert on the draft, slight novice on the beer front. We'll take it. <laughs> very novice. Very novice. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for the time. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, you've been fantastic as usual. I mean, you've been great with us ever since we started this little kind of weird fan club over here. Um, and it's growing by the the month, isn't it? So yeah. we're, we're very pleased that you're along for the ride. Um, you can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodbury. Uh, and of course, subscribe to the Athletic website. It's only like, I don't know, it costs like $3 a month or something like that. And you get our old chum Moega, who's been on the podcast before. And you get Joe and a bunch of other people talking about the Bengals. Uh, and you can go and subscribe uh, at the, it's at, no, theathletic.com slash Bengals. Uh, have I got that right, Joe? Yeah, or if you just put in the athletic, or if you're on Twitter, type in the athletic. All their they have a, basically a, a Twitter handle for all of their cities right. you, uh, that they represent. Um, you'll find it; it'll come up, or you can go to my my Twitter handle, and it'll be in there. Okay, uh, Joe, thank you so much. Uh, we so uh, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome, Joe. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me, guys. Whenever you need me, I'm here. So there we go. That was Joe Goodbury, the amazing Joe Goodbury. And we let him go for it um, because he really does have a fantastic knowledge of the draft. This is what he kind of... Passion for the draft. Uh, yeah, he does a genuine passion. That comes through. And we wanted to let him, we wanted to let him kind of really go for it because, um, you know, we've all got draft on our minds and it might help us to understand the draft and who's out there and, and the way the team might be thinking or at least evaluators might be yeah, thinking. Yeah, that's right? some really good stuff in there. I mean, I think to have a specialist like Joe come on is a great thing for us and a great thing for the fans in the UK because I know we like reading some, you know, mock drafts and you like looking at a few like Mike Mayock positional rankings. But yeah. I think if you're if you're a real draft purist and you, you know, like the intricacies of it, then that you would they would have enjoyed that. I mean, that was yes, really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I could have talked to Joe all day, and you get the impression that Joe would have quite happily talked all day, <laughs> really. Um, so thank you to Joe Goodbury. Yeah, That's, was that awesome. was amazing, and you know he's given us a, an insight into the draft and who we might be picking. It seems to be all to play for still. Yeah. Although the sensible kind of way to go would be offensive line. Well, I think it was interesting how highly he rated the two centres. Yeah. I think James Daniels and Frank Ragnar, he was really like Absolutely, yeah. giving them serious praise, not just like, oh yeah, they'd be a fairly good pick, they'll come in, maybe be a starter. It was like, no, they are the best centre prospects for a while. They'd both be very worthy of the uh, the pick. So that's interesting because, I mean, I hadn't really heard Ragnar being sort of thrown in that sort of well range. it was as joe said it was his pro game yeah, exactly. that was the thing that really yeah, kicked, yeah, yeah. It, kicked him up so for that, that's very interesting in itself mm. 
Yeah, I think it's also the Colter Miller thing's interesting. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, Joe gave us an insight into the draft. Nathan's given us a, an insight into what he'd eat on <laughs> if he was taken out for dinner <laughs> by a team. He's not into the whole kind of Chinese and Indian takeaway, but he's up for a Michelin-starred pie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I would, I, I don't know, I like, I just like, would you like a pie now, Paul, Sunday pie? I always love a pie, absolutely. A Sunday pie? <laughs> oh, I'd have a bit of that, have a bit of that. Um, now, we're going to wrap up in a moment, but um, our old chum, Duncan, dastardly Duncan. He was definitely a little bit more dastardly last week. We'll see what you think I of think... him this week. Okay, I'll judge him. Then let me just get it up. Oh, I, hope, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're talking about something else. I'm going to cut that out. All right. No, you can't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. It's turned into a carry-on film, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, here's Dastardly Duncan. <laughs> Dastardly Duncan. Hi there. Duncan Price here, at Dastardly Duncan on the Twitter, with another draft-related Dastardly question of the week. This instalment is a slight twist on the previous questions, as rather than look back at decisions made in past years, we're going to change something, potentially, in the here and now. Okay, here we go. The Bengals selected Tyler Eifert with the 21st overall pick of the 2013 NFL Draft in what turned out to be a decent year for tight ends. Excluding Travis Kelsey, who is arguably one of the top players in the league at his position right now, would you trade Eifert today, right now, for any of the other tight ends taken in the 2013 draft? That would be the likes of Jordan Reed, Zach Ertz, Vance McDonald, etc. If so, why? If not, why not? Dastardly Duncan is a very well-spoken geezer, isn't he? and yeah. he's clearly reading off a bit of paper. I think he's dastardly rating this week. I think his first week, three out of ten dastardly. Second week, <laughs> I give him a six. I, right. thought, I thought he upped his game, and it was a bit of you know Dick Dastardly like yeah, to him. Yeah. But this week, I think he maybe a four. Very well-spoken geezer. But... Duncan, you are listening to this. I know you are. Um, we do Easy appreciate your questions, <laughs> and you probably it? you didn't sort of bargain <laughs> on a critique of your dastardliness. Yeah. Um, but you've got but a Twitter we handle, dastardly. Duncan. We do appreciate you sending them in, and uh, they're <laughs> it's amazing. It's a good question. question. It is well. a good question, and of course, the obvious answer to that is, you know, you would. I mean, as good as Ifa is, you would take Travis Kelsey, but we're not allowed to do that. No. So let's just run through some of the tight if ends. I thought it was healthy that- though. Him and Travis Kelsey might be on a par. It's just basically because. Um, obviously, Ifa's long. You know, sort of issues of staying yeah, on the field. Yeah. But Paul, you first. What are you thinking? Um, so let well let's just run through some of the tight ends in that 2013 yeah. draft. Um, you know we took Eifert at 21, which surprised a lot of people, but yeah. it worked out. Zach Ertz, the Eagles took Zach Ertz in round two. The Cowboys took Gavin Escobar in yeah. round two. Vance McDonald for the 49ers in the second round. Kelsey went to the Chiefs in the third. Jordan Reed went to the Redskins in the third. Levine. Toy Lolo went to the Falcons in round four. Nick Carter, the Raiders in the sixth. Michael Rivera, the Raiders at six. They were quite keen on tight ends. Both of them are not in the league anymore, so they did well there. Uh, Ryan Griffin, the Texans in the sixth. Michael Williams at the Lions uh, in seven. DC Jefferson for the Cardinals in seven. Chris Gragg for the Bills at seven. And this is a great name. Justice Cunningham. Sounds like a lawyer. He really does, yeah, uh, for the Colts in round seven. Now, 
the gra- the vast majority of those players aren't playing in the league anymore. Um, and actually, do you know what? I'd keep. I'd, I think I'd keep Eifert because, you know, Zach Ertz is solid and it, it's Zach been a Ertz's good player. Been, you had know, a great year this last yeah, year. Yeah, he's had a decent year. Um, but I still think in terms of red zone threat, you can't get better than Eifert there. I'd you? take Jordan Reed. I really? think Jordan Reed, if you I mean, I know he's had a few injury problems as well, but I've watched a few games of the Redskins and he's an animal. If he's yeah. on the field, he, he catches anything that geezer. But if he's on the he's got the same sort of problem as I Yeah, Eifert, I, he? I I would take Jordan Reed actually, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I would. I just think with Tyler Eifert, I mean, you know, you can't bank on Eifert playing more than ten no. games this year. And I know you, Reed had a problem last year, but if he's healthy and he's playing, and I think he's, I, I, don't, I haven't got anything in front of me statistically, but I think he's been a little bit better than I in terms of being okay. on the field. I, I'd be interested by his potential, Jordan Reed. I, I would take a punt. Well, another good question from Dastardly Very Duncan. Good question. Um, Can he send in next year a picture of him with a Dick Dastardly hat on? Or something like devilish. <laughs> in like with a, that twiddle in his moustache. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With yeah. a dog next to him as Muttley. A dog. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Duncan, and apologies Cheers, for the mate. critique on your dastardliness. Um, it's not a per- <laughs> uh, it's not a character assassination. Um, so I think that's about it. You know, the next time we will speak, we will know who the Bengals have drafted. You know, will they trade up? Will Paul, they- what are you saying? I'm putting you on the spot here. What are you saying? Is Paul Hirons? What do you think? GM Hirons. GM Hirons. What the two two things? Who would you hope for? Like, yeah. What would you be your best case scenario? And who do you actually think right, the Bengals okay. will draft? Um, I think the Bengals... Well, goodness me, that's a question, isn't it? Okay, the one, the person that I want in the first round, you know, as I said, every fan's big mock, mock draft, I've gone defensive lineman up top, yep. and that's my instinct. That's really? always yeah. my instinct. That's interesting. But this year is a little bit different because we have such a need at centre. We cannot afford to take any risks we have to get a center so no, it's no right. it's there's no there can be no dicking about about guesswork <laughs> or kind of, do you know what i mean like yeah, no, oh, i agree with you, oh, we'll, we'll like kind of gamble and wait till the second yeah no, I agree. maybe we can I trade agree. up to get billy price yeah i agree if james daniels is there and from what i read and what joe said and everything all being considered for me it's james daniels okay however I think a Marcus Davenport or a Maurice Hurst uh, or a Vita Vea, uh, a defensive lineman, a real kind of, I'm going to say it again, a Godzilla. Um, <laughs> if, it, if if that person is there, it's a tempter. It yeah. is a tempter. Tavin Bryan, someone like that, Tavin Bryan. You know, um, I mean, what if Harold Landry, you know, I've said it before, but... Oh, it's difficult. But this year, out of all the years, I think I think centre is such a big need. Then we have to do. Yeah, it. I, I think, and I've said this in the previous podcast. I think we've um, put ourselves in a slightly unless there's someone on the roster they feel comfortable with at centre. I think we've put ourselves in a position where you almost have to draft a centre because you know you've got to have them start day one. Really, I mean, if and even if you take one in round two, you've almost got to thrust them in there. I I don't think that's a particularly great position to put yourselves in for me best case scenario that I would be the happiest with is McGlinchey I think you know like what Joe said he epitomizes everything you'd want he's got the size he's got the leadership abilities the Bengals have done their homework on him I think that would be a really really solid pick I'd be very very pleased with that um, it'd be an immediate upgrade at right tackle and then you've got right tackle and left tackle 
Absolutely, 100%. Uh, if we can get that offensive line sorted, it would be pretty amazing. So now it is time to wrap things up. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are having our meetup next Saturday on uh, April the 28th at the Britain's Protection Pub in Manchester. Uh, it's from 6 till 11. There'll be the NFL Draft, the third day of the NFL Draft on the TV There'll be uh, me and Nathan doing a special version of or a special episode of Cincinnati. Uh, and there'll be a Bengals pub quiz too. So do come along if you can. It'll be a fantastic evening. You'll get to meet loads of Bengals fans. Um, so yeah, do come along. Britain's Protection Pub, Manchester, next Saturday. And we'll play out uh, what we recorded during the meetup the following Tuesday with some more reaction from the draft so until then thanks for listening and speak to you soon hi hello and welcome back to the 1983 national football league draft and with the first round pick john elway jim kelly welcome back to the draft and with the first round pick dan marino nfl draft and with the first round pick Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the traps all about. Year in and year out. Welcome back to the Draft. Wide receivers, running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft. There has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. On a shady Saturday. Welcome back to the Draft. Defensive line. Wide receiver, running back. Tackle. Quarterback. So I get into that. No more sales. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Eric Dickerson. Reggie Bush. Welcome back to the draft. And with the round time pick, Keyshawn Johnson. Well, be ready. And with the first round pick, Randy Moss. I'm a pick now. I'm a Viking now. And with the first round pick, who they take, Mel? Who in the hell is Mel Kiper? Who in the hell is Mel Kiper? Who they take, Mel? My neighbor has more credentials. The Mel Kiper and my neighbor's a postman. Play this back. Play what my ratings. Back. Please, if you want. Well, we've looked at film, and then we've looked at film, and then we've looked at film. We do have a lot of film. We've looked at film, and then we've looked at film, and then we've looked at film. As you can see, and I've looked at a lot of film. Find me a bus. Marcus Russell. Find me a bus. Tim Couch. Find me a bus. Tony Mandarich. Bus. Achilles Smith. Press, press, press. Whack, whack, whack. Could develop into the next all-pro player. He's physically tough, mentally tough, the kind of kid that you can trust. The Colts put their faith in me. The San Diego Chargers put their faith in me. Ryan Lee. Hello? It's just the physical emotion of discomfort for the guy. This is human drama now. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Mark Sanchez. Mario Williams, NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Atlanta has selected Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Brett, Brett, Brett Favre. Brett, Brett, Brett Favre. So Atlanta gets a favor by selecting Brett Favre. Welcome back to the draft. Good young players with the traps all about. Year in and year out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back. Tackle, quarterback. Primetime. Primetime. Every year in the draft. Defensive line. The wide receiver, running back. Tackle, quarterback. So I'll get into that. Welcome back to the NFL Draft, and with the first round pick, Sam Bradford, Eli Manning, welcome back to the Draft, 
and with the first round pick, Donovan McNabb. Welcome back to the draft, and with the first round pick, Michael Vick, Philip Rivers. Welcome back to the draft, and with the first round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to the NFL draft. I've never seen anything like this. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.